Hello and welcome to the Startups Roundtable. I'd like to start with an acknowledgement of country. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet. Here in Sydney, it's the Gadigal people. We pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging and extend our respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening today. Getting to the critical thrusts of go-to-market and scaling with Indus Singh took us down some surprising avenues. Hi, I'm Tony Hackett, and in this episode of the Startups Roundtable, we learn from Indus Singh's experiences from within large corporates and building his own startup, and how he is now helping other founders. He brought valuable insight and pragmatism to this conversation, so let's get to it and meet Inda. Hi, Tony, thanks, thanks for this opportunity, first of all. Just to tell you a little bit about myself, and maybe before I do, I would just tell you, you know, I think we're in such interesting times right now, just given everything that's happening in in the world, but also in terms of where things are from a technology level as well. I've been in the technology space, uh, let's say, I will say for over 20 years. (laughs) I was around when the first uh, diskettes of Microsoft Windows were shipped. And it's incredible how much technology has kind of come from that time to where it is now where it's literally in the palm of our hands. And so what I'm now working on is I actually have joined forces with my business partner. We have started a consulting advisory firm for startups called Allied Legal. We help startups and scale-ups with establishment and expansion services. But it's been quite a journey to kind of get to where we are. I bet it has. Could you tell me a little bit about that from what took you from the light bulb moment or the inspiration and then to actually go from, I guess, thinking about it to that step where you actually decided to start? Probably a number of light bulb moments that kind of going to go off. I spent most of my career in the corporate world, you know, again, where there are stringent processes, big organizations, big companies, multinationals around the globe. And, and, and I remember being around, you know, again, in the, in the 90s with the whole dot-com boom that was happening. And there was a number of things that were coming up in startups at that time that were starting to change the world. And I go, this time, I actually want to be immerse myself and not be in the sidelines, but actually put myself into that. About two years ago, I said, okay, it's time. It's time to now actually make that decision to you know, risk it, <laughs> right? And just, and, and just dive right into it. So I entered the startup world. You know, I actually talked to a few people in advance of kind of making that jump, because <laughs> I'll call it the jump. And I kind of said, I had all these ideas that were in my head, right? There were so many companies that were coming up with amazing things. And I'm going, I've got all these ideas too. How do I take these ideas and bring it to the next level and do something with them? So I talked with a number of founders. I actually started reaching out to just honestly, just random people that I found online and actually started reaching out to them and saying, you know, how did you get started? What, what did you do to kind of take your ideas to the next level? Did you learn how to code? Did you hire people? Like, how did you come up with the money to kind of do this? And as I had that dialogue with, with one in particular, he said, look, one of the things he did was he actually just learned how to code as a start. So I go, okay, let me see if I can give that a shot as well. So I actually went online. Thought, okay, let me see if I can learn how to code online. So I had these ideas, but these ideas involved building some form of a platform, a technology. And so I went online and I tried a number of things to learn how to code. I go, okay, this is not working. I was a developer a long time ago. The modernization of where technology has changed and how you code and develop platforms has changed as well. I talked to somebody else. I go, look, where's the best place to learn how to code? And they actually told me uh, a place here in, uh, in, in Melbourne. I actually went to their uh, campus, had a chance to talk with the instructors, talk with the admissions. And I go, okay, this is fantastic. Where do I I sign? And they go, look, we actually have a class starting on Monday. 
And so it was actually on a, on a Monday where I actually decided to learn how to code. And it was a four-month full-stack development course. But I will tell you, Tony, it was a fantastic course. I love the the pathway you've taken. And, and Inda, as, as we both know, we've both been in the tech industry for, quote-unquote, over 20 years. And and to hear you talk about that that journey, but then to step back and go, I'm going to not take anything for granted, make no assumptions. I'm going to start from a, a base level and to actually build up. That's a, just a credit to you. It's very refreshing to hear. I, I must say, as you've described your background, shared that with us a little bit and what you're up to now, it must be interesting when you're sitting down with startups and that point about helping them scale, that's hard for large organizations. How does that conversation start and how do you chunk it down to get people to think a little bit differently before they start to act a little bit differently? It kind of starts a little bit with myself kind of going through an accelerator. Because I had an opportunity to kind of come up with an idea, learn to code, and then said, okay, now I've got this idea. Now how do I take this idea to the next level? And so I actually did get involved with, a, uh, with an accelerator out of Sydney, out of 800 applicants. And I, when I went over there, I realized being surrounded by 40 other founders on this idea that there was another challenge that existed. And that challenge that I found was how do technical founders and those that don't have a sales background start to make those connections with customers because you cannot do this in a silo. It is so imperative that you do not kind of create your whole product and service or offering in a silo. It's very important to be engaging with the market. So those early conversations really start off with, yes, you have this amazing idea, but who are you sharing that with? And what are you doing about this part of the next steps in terms of introducing this and getting feedback from the market? In the problem you're trying to solve, but also in the solution you're trying to solve, trying to create. How do you talk with startups and, and even for your own business as well in the world that we're in now? So you and I are speaking remotely. We've got the video up, but we don't have the choice that we did three or four months ago. So how do you start to execute across those plans with us living so much on, on remote calls? We actually started our company uh, just before the restrictions and the lockdowns. So literally in March. And you know, we actually hired as well through that process. We actually had already hired somebody. We've got office space. And all of a sudden, uh, we've got these restrictions. But one of the things we said to ourselves, and even as we're talking to others out there as well, is there's things that we're going to learn. There are things that we're going to do. And if we could do that in this environment, imagine what happens when the new normal and the restriction starts coming down as well and the things that we have learned through this process. So yes, we are using video. And so yes, we are having those remote meetings. And as I'm working with startups, we're going through that, through that very similar process in actually having those dialogues now in a virtual environment. It's interesting. With the company I'm with now, we have a, a startup accelerator. And every four months, a new cohort comes through. I've had the great joy of working very closely with that program for the last 18 months. So it's based in Bangalore, and I've worked with them on go-to-market across that time, a number of just amazing startups. And so what we're doing now, what we're, we're talking about, that was the normal then. But what I did understand too is what I think I understood. It forced me to break down what could be complexity into a really simple process that needed to be explainable and executable in 30-minute chunks. And it brought a discipline to my own approach that now I've created a template. Are you seeing some of that, the complexity wash away because we haven't got the choice as well? 
It's a fair observation. And it, it's, it's also interesting that you're talking about the 30-minute kind of increment. But even as we're working through, there is a cadence and a rhythm that starts getting formed in, the, in, in that dialogue. Because as I'm working with startups, it's not only to provide coaching and training, but we're actually doing it through showing as well and actually doing that service for them. So as we're going through that process and we're actually having those meetings with clients and doing those reach outs, we're very much working very closely in tandem through that process. And we actually are forming, call it a rhythm that takes place uh, where a template is then formed, which they can then use, use as part of their process. Are you seeing any difference in the companies you deal with across different industries and what they're looking for from you and from your company to help them actually go to market and to scale? I am. And it's primarily coming from the industries that they're servicing. Because what, what's happened in, in the world and what's happened across various verticals, it's different across different verticals. Whether you're talking about transportation and the airlines, whether you're talking about the education sector and the challenges that, that they're having in terms of you know, international students and the restrictions of travel and them having to go to virtual classrooms, whether you're also talking about government, whether it's local or state or at the national level, they've all been faced with various challenges in terms of resources. And in some cases, the preparedness or the lack of preparedness in having to deal with some new things that they've not encountered before as well, including them themselves having to work in remote environments and having to, to embrace that as well. And whether that's also existing within the supply chains of agriculture to all the way to wholesale distribution within stores and the logistics that go with that as well. So across those various industries, I'm working with, with, with a number of clients. They've obviously been faced with some challenges, but yet also opportunities as well. An important one has also been healthcare, where there has been an explosion, in fact, of opportunity, but also challenges that come along with it as well. You've worked with large organizations, and now you've got your own organization, your own company. Decision-making is something that can be an all-encompassing, or sometimes you just got to cut through in the role you're in now with your own startup, do you find that you're, I'm sure you're leveraging data, but does intuition and sort of gut feel play a different role for you now than maybe it did a year or two ago? Intuition is important, but I'm also somebody that also looks at analytics, right? And also facts that are out there as well. So you got to kind of put, you know, there's things you follow your heart on, but there's also things you kind of kind of follow your, your, your mind on as well in terms of that, that, that intuition. And in the, when it comes to, you know, decision-making, You've kind of kind of take both in balance, but I think right now with what's happening, I think there's also some more risks you can take as well and probably follow your feeling a bit more in terms of feeling things out. There are some unknowns that are, that, that are out there. So following your intuition and making some of those decisions, I think is there. You always have to bracket the decisions you make in some cases for the situation that's at hand, but I agree with you there. I, th I think there is appetite for following your, um, your, your intuition in those decisions. I'd love to understand too a little bit about your experience going into an accelerator program, when I say going into, you'd compete for the spot, but what would be your thoughts and reflections if someone was listening to the podcast now and they're thinking about that? What did you think it was going to be going in? And having gone through one, what are the pluses and minors that you would suggest people should think about? So the, the way I got into, the, into this accelerator, it was interesting as well. It was, it was a fantastic experience. I actually, after I'd come out of uh, kind of, you know, learning how to code, I started hanging out in different co-working spaces. And the reason why was because I didn't want to do it alone. I was actually in search of a co-founder. That, that was important. And I knew that was also important in getting into an accelerator as well, because they, that, that's something that they look for. They look to see, do you have a team? 
have you sold this idea that you've got to somebody else, right? Uh, that they believe it, that they're actually joining you and leaving their job and committed to you as well. So as you kind of go through that process, that became very important. And then one night, the accelerator applications were closing. I talked to my co-founder about this, had the idea, wrote up the entire case that, that evening, and did the submission. A week later, kind of gone through the, the, the interview process amongst 800 applicants, and then got selected as part of the first part of the cohort. And it was fascinating going through that. I didn't realize that there's actually not just the art, not, it's not just the art, but there's a science, a scientific approach to taking your idea to the next level and commercializing it. So what we're being taught through was they had a number of experts that kind of, you know, came through, came, came through the class and kind of talked to us about the validation process. And that, again, became a bit of a light bulb moment for me as well. And as we're validating, it's validating a problem, but also validating the solution. And it was interesting going through the validation process, because as you have this idea, you're in this kind of cohort, and you know, we put a challenge for ourselves saying, we must conduct a certain number of interviews in a certain period of time to validate the problem, first of all. Does this problem even, even exist? Because everything you hear about in startup land is product market fit, product market fit. And to get to that point, you've got to start very early, even the problem, and is the problem worth solving, and is there an opportunity towards that as well? And so my idea that I had at that time it was a property tech idea, which was really centered around helping people move house. And it was centered around taking, it, it was really to help, you know, help somebody who's moving house to take care of, call it, taking care of all the moving parts. And as we're going through that process, it was, okay, how do I go find somebody to talk to that's moving house and have those interviews with them? Because how do I validate that this is actually a problem they're going to have? And what are the stresses and the struggles that exist? Because there's 90 things that you must do through moving house. And so one of the things I did at that, at that time was saying, hey, how do I find somebody who's moving house? And I've, I've gone through 20 interviews in a couple of days. How do I do that in a short period of time? And so one of the things that uh, we ended up doing was we actually mapped out the whole journey of mapping house. And somewhere in there, we said, well, if you're moving house, you're going to have to have boxes to move. And then we said, okay, well, when do they require those boxes? And is there somebody that we can talk to in terms of moving, back, moving house at that time? So what we ended up doing was actually putting out an ad on Gumtree, which is a, you know, a free kind of uh, classified ad site. And we actually just put a posting saying, free boxes delivered. That was it. Based on just that, we were now doing two to three deliveries a day. Uh, I would go to the local Bunnings, pick up the boxes, and together we'd kind of go and actually meet the, uh, the residents, right? They were actually in the process of moving house. Now, in advance of actually going there, what we'd actually do is we'd actually, uh, we'd actually you know, when, the, when they would respond back to the posting, we'd say, well, how many boxes do you need? You know, when are you looking to move? So we got an idea of the urgency. We got an idea of how big their house was. And with that, and we actually, we actually was very open and, was, and, and said, look, we would also appreciate uh, some time with you as well so that we can actually understand a little bit about, you know, the experience you're going through and moving house because we're actually working on an idea and a concept. And they were very open to that dialogue. I love that. The simplicity, but and I mean that as an absolute compliment, but there's no more real data. That That is it. <laughs> so, that's very true. That, that's it. When I think about your approach to things and you've given some commentary around accelerator programs, what would you suggest around coaches and mentors? And, and I'm wanting to lead into here if you could maybe share some of the services you provide and if someone was listening, they were thinking they were looking for some, some support, what are some of the things you would want them to think about or maybe what's the problem they're facing that should prompt them to maybe get in touch with you? 
if they're building a product and they're building an offering, are they actually doing this on their own and not actually going to the market to get some feedback? And are they putting dollars towards that as well? Because in some cases, it could be like putting some serious dough down, some coin down to actually build their product, right? And hiring all these people without actually going out and talking to, to, to the market. So I'd say the first thing you want to do is just do a, a double check with yourself. Is that a challenge that you're having in terms of actually being able to connect with the market and actually connect with your perhaps ideal potential customers? Because that becomes very important in terms of who you're building this for. And if those are some of the challenges you're having, the other challenges you could be having as well is around members of your team. Are you doing this alone? Are you doing this solo? Are you looking to bring other members and founding members of the team together as well? And as you're going through the, 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 that process, and the firm that we have now started is really a legal firm combined with business development. And we, we're doing that because it's really around establishment of your organization, but also expansion of your company as well. So it's kind of an interesting nuance in terms of how we've kind of pivoted over a period of time to actually form an organization together where we're not we're actually helping with the legal aspect of it, but also the commercial aspect of it as well in terms of expansion and growth. It actually resonated. So once we started actually taking this to the market and actually speaking to founders, both from a, both you know as a lawyer who comes up with me as well and myself from a business development level, that actually started resonating. We can actually feel it in the body language. We can actually feel it in the questions and the answers that were kind of going back and forth that this was important to startups. Uh, in terms of mitigating risk, in terms of protecting their, their intellectual property, in terms of the foundational aspects that they had in terms of uh, their members and having those agreements in place early on, but also in terms of how they're going to then approach the market and start to grow and what are the approaches uh, that they're looking for even in terms of the markets that they want to be able to conquer and who are going to be their first early customers in that process. It feels as though that's an amazing combination of being able to look at it from the, the, the core of the business entity, but also how do we think about the growth. If you were doing just the growth and somebody was wanting to really understand how you might be able to help them from a go-to-market point of view, what might be the problem that they're actually confronting right now that would have them get in touch? It may sound simple, Tony, but at the same time, it can be a challenge as well, is just getting your first meeting with a customer. Like how often, and as a founder, when somebody responds back to your email after you've sent it and done all this research on an organization and a company, like how thrilled are you that somebody has responded back and agreeing to meet with you? And how disappointed does one feel after putting in research into in terms of an industry and then reaching out to a potential prospect or a client to have a discussion, whether it's for validation or it's your first customer, and they don't respond back. And, and let's say you amplify that and you do that 100 times. Then the question comes down to is, well, what does it take to actually get that first meeting? Because if you can't get the first meeting and it's with somebody that is your ideal customer or future customer, then everything you have worked on, in some cases, may stall. But if you do get those first meetings, it then opens the door and the aperture for all that feedback, for that validation, for your potential first customer and also potential future client and then future reference and case study. So getting that first meeting, I would say, is very, very important. That is brilliant granularity. One thing that I really subscribe to is uh, Seth Godin, who's quite a famous marketer. He, he talks about the smallest viable audience, which is, I think, what you're describing there, that if you truly know who your customer is and you understand your value to that customer, then you know what the story is. But to your point, if you haven't done this before and you need maybe the confidence, you need that support, 
that's a very powerful ally. That's a very powerful support to be able to draw upon. There's, I think, from a startup, smallest viable audience, value proposition, building out your startup, and then you start to look for funding. Could I ask you maybe to close with just some commentary around how startups need to be or should be thinking about funding from your perspective? Yeah, look, money is always a challenge, right? (laughs) Especially times like this as well. And money is very precious. And having the runway to be able to operate is a luxury. And I think one has to kind of think through what is the best way for them? How do they operate? And also in terms of their kind of growth plans that they have as well. So they're going to have to really kind of think through what is right for them, whether they're going to be looking to bootstrap this, whether they're looking to build a consulting business first, <laughs> where, they're, where, they're, where they're getting some, some cash flow from that, which then they can build their product from, whether they're looking for family and friends, or whether they're looking for to venture capitalists to come and start helping them, depending on what stage that they're at. The one thing I will say, though, is, and this is a philosophy that I've kind of worked on, is to try to do things on the cheap as a start. Because it's incredible how much creativity comes out of that, but also how many resources are available these days, which is very different than how how it used to be. But there are so much more uh, resources and access to experts and tools that are more available now that in many cases don't cost money. It costs some of your time, perhaps, in learning those but also your network in terms of being able to access that as well. It's incredible the things you can kind of break through when you try to conserve the dollars for when it matters most. Inder, I've, I've really enjoyed the pragmatism of the advice, but also your generosity in sharing your learning and your perspectives. And so appreciate you joining me on the podcast today. And it'd be wonderful to stay in touch and maybe to check in with you periodically and to get your views as they, they evolve. But once again, thanks for joining me today. Good. I appreciate it, Tony. Thanks for the opportunity. I hope you picked up a few tips and insights that will help your scaling ambitions. But that's it for today. Thanks for listening and bye for now. 